Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Uh, so I want us to look at a passage from the book of Hebrews. And we don't know who the writer was of the book of Hebrews. It's a book in the New Testament. And uh, we're not sure who wrote this, le- this letter. It was like a, a, like a sermon, really, but written as a letter to uh, Christians who uh, were, were Israelites. They, were, they weren't Christians who'd uh, been saved from the Gentiles, from the non-Hebrews. They were Hebrew Christians. So they'd, in a way, they'd moved from their old Hebrew faith into Christianity. They were facing some trials around that and some um, persecution And into that situation, this writer writes this letter. And uh, thanks, Ben. Okay, better? Good. Okay. And uh, it's written in Greek. And in fact, all of the New Testament was written in Greek. That wasn't the language that Jesus and the early apostles spoke. They spoke in Aramaic, um, which is sort of like a, a almost like an offshoot of, of, of Hebrew. But in those days, everything that was written down was written in Greek, which is partly why the gospel spread so quickly, because Greek was the language that was read pretty much everywhere in the Roman Empire. So the New Testament was written in Greek originally, and so today we're going to actually look at three of the key Greek words in this passage. So I hope we won't fall asleep because we're going to do a little bit of concentrating on Greek words. If, if I fall asleep, then you know we really are in trouble. But I'll do my best to stay awake, and I hope you will too, and I hope this passage is going to actually be helpful for us. Do you know what? Even if we don't get to the Greek, just listening to this passage, particularly off, off of our worship and what we've been praying about today, will be helpful for us. Yeah? If I don't say anything else that helps you, just reading this passage to you will help you. Okay, let's listen to this passage. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through to 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, You've not resisted yet to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten completely this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? 
If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would submit ourselves to it. Because we know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And today, we want to live. And so we pray that your living word, that is living and active, it will do what you intend it to do in our hearts today. And that you will continue your glorious process of changing us from one degree of glory to the next making us more like Jesus. These things we ask in his name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at at three particular Greek words, and I've got sort of four points to this uh, preach, and three of those we will look at at these particular Greek words. Uh, So let's, let's start off by looking at the first one. So the advice that this writer to the Hebrews gives us about how we should cope with hard knocks is really helpful. It's probably one of the most helpful passages in the Bible about how we can, if you like, the lens we can look through when we face trial and difficulty in life, which all of us do and all of us will do. Some of you may be in the middle of it at the moment. Some of you may be in a time in life when you think, actually, it's really hard at the moment for me. There's an aspect of life that is a real struggle. It may not be the case for you now, but um, one writer that I was reading about the other day talked about um, the fact that when sailors are preparing for storms at sea, they will go through drills, and they'll go through the drills when the weather's fine. So they'll do boat drill, and they'll do, I don't know what drill sailors do to prepare for storms, I suppose tying everything down or whatever they do, I I don't know. In the old days, I suppose they lashed the sails and that sort of stuff, didn't they? I don't know what they do in an oil tanker. Um, But whatever they do... They prepare for the prospect of the storm while it's still calm. And this writer to the Hebrews here is very helpful for us because whether or not we're going through the storm at the moment, this will help us when we do. And we will. It will help us to interpret a little bit of what God is saying and doing when we go through hardship. So it's probably one of the most helpful passages that I've found in in just in terms of that. And actually... uh, Recognizing that we can learn stuff through challenge is, is something that even the world recognizes. You might hear sometimes people will say, oh, I've been through the school of hard knocks. And I've learned some stuff through, 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 through difficulty. 
And even the world recognizes it, but the world doesn't quite know what to do with it. It doesn't know quite what the advice would be when you face it. Well, well this, this gives us some really concrete advice about what we can do when, we, when we're in the school of hard knocks, when life is difficult and challenging. So here's the first one. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And we're going to do our first bit of Greek learning, okay? So that word, fix your eyes, in some translations it's look unto Jesus, look to Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, is this word in the Greek called aphoreo. And actually that word is only used once or twice in the whole of the New Testament. And it's made up of two words, two Greek words. The first bit is apo, which means away from, and horeo, which means see. You see, actually that word isn't just saying look to Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. It's actually really the literal translation of it is look away in order to look at. Look away in order to look at. And the writer of the Hebrews here, I think, is telling us to take time to look away from the difficulty, from the circumstance. You have to be able to look away in order to look to Jesus. You know, you've done that this morning by coming to church. That is an opportunity for us to look away from what we are facing in the world this week, last week, and to look to Jesus. It's why the community of the church is so important. It's one of the means and methods by which we look away, we take a moment, on a Sunday morning, between 10.30 and 12.30, we look away for a moment and we look towards. It's why this and our community groups and the other times and ways that we get together are so important. And actually, this writer to the Hebrews earlier in the letter He encourages them. He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So for these guys, these Hebrews, they were were already beginning to drift away a little bit. And he says, no, 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 don't do that. Don't you know that this is God's means of grace for you? Look away, fix your eyes. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You see, we actually forget sometimes actually how dark the world is. The Bible talks ever such a lot about the world being in darkness. And it talks actually about our human condition being exactly the same. It says, once you were in darkness. Now, if you're in darkness, you're in in a pretty vulnerable position, actually. I don't know if you've... When I was growing up in the 1970s, when I was little... Um, in the early 80s, there were lots and lots of power cuts. There, was, there were strikes going on with the power companies. And, uh, and there were lots of power cuts. And uh, just suddenly, from nowhere, everything would go off. You know, the telly would go off. That was probably the most important thing to us at that time. <laughs> the telly would go off. Ev- the lights would go off. You know, the fridge would go off. Everything would just go off. I don't know. Martin's nodding. You remember, don't you, Martin? You're with me on that. And, uh, and actually, it was really disconcerting. Because there was just nothing you could do. You were powerless. You know what? In darkness, we are absolutely powerless. There's nothing we can do. And that's how the world is. That's what Jesus describes the the world as being, in utter darkness. And actually, he says, you know, and you're the same. Without, Without me, you're the same. And so we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the light of the world, who comes to bring illumination to us.
And we've heard a lot this morning about him being in us. And you know the fact that he is in me and he is in you means that at these times I am likely to find his light illuminating me through something that you will say to me or something that you will pray over me or a scripture that you will bring to me. Because he lives in you and he lives in me, you will be his light to me when I'm going through this hardship. And that's one of the reasons why I mustn't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Yeah? Because we are custodians of the light of the world. Now, that's that reading that we often hear at Christmas, the prophecy that Isaiah had many hundreds of years before Jesus was born. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned, and then Jesus comes and light bursts on the scene because we can't understand or interpret the world we live in. We can't understand what am I here for unless he brings that light to us. And so the writer of the Hebrews is right to say the first thing you need to do is you need to look away and you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. How do we do that? We, we make sure that we don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We read his word, which is described to us as what? A lamp to my feet, the psalmist says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We go to that book. We go to the Bible. We go to one another. We look away to Jesus. We look away and we look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Do you know... Um, some of the early disciples, it says that there was a point at which they said to Jesus, this is hard teaching. Now, he had just been talking about him going to the cross and his body broken for them and what was going to happen to him. And they say, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it says that from that point, many of his disciples stopped following him. And he turns to the 12 apostles. He turns to them and he says, are you going to leave me too? And at that point, Peter says some words that I've hung on to throughout life. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. And that's the thing. When you're going through hardship, you know, sometimes you, you get to the point where actually the only thing you've got left to hold on to is the fact that I have nowhere else to go. Where would I go? Because I've learned that somehow, even though I don't understand all of this stuff that's happening to me, and you feel a long way away, I've come to know that actually there's nowhere else I can go because you have the words of eternal life. And deep inside me, I know and believe you are the Holy One of God. Sometimes that's all we're left with in those times of hardship. Look away and look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Here's the second one. Remember the word of encouragement. So the writer to the Hebrews says, look, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten the word of encouragement? And then he quotes this, this passage, which is from Proverbs in the Old Testament. The Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. That word discipline can actually have some quite unhelpful connotations for us. We tend to think of it as punishment. 
we tend to equate that word discipline with something that you do to a child after they've done something wrong. But actually, let's do our second lesson in Greek. Are you ready? Okay, so here's the word that is used for discipline. Okay? Padia. Padia. It's the same word that we get things like pediatrics from. Now, pediatrics is the care of children. And that first part of the word, P, P, it means child. That word, pedia, means child rearing, child training. That helps a bit, doesn't it? Because suddenly I'm not thinking about this word discipline as necessarily meaning punishment. I mean, sometimes children do need to be punished as part of that child rearing, child training process. But actually, the punishment bit is actually a very small part of that, really. It's only part of it. The whole child-rearing stuff is around saying things like, hold my hand when we cross the road. Remember to wash your hands after you've been to the toilet, won't you? Yeah, and flush. Yeah, well done, that's good. Child-rearing is so much more than just punitive punishment when I've done something wrong. And that helps me when I read this because actually I think, oh, okay, this is a word of encouragement for me when I'm going through hardship. He's rearing me as his child. This is a bit of child rearing going on here. It means that I'm his child. It reinforces for me again my identity. I belong to him. Oh, this difficulty I'm going through, I find it difficult to interpret it this way, Lord, but this is what your word says. It says that when I am going through this You are child-rearing me. You are rearing me as your child. That's what this is for. Oh, that puts a whole different perspective on it. It's not punishment. And, you know, sometimes when we're going through hard stuff, the temptation is actually to think, God is angry with me. I have done something wrong, and therefore everything in life is going wrong for me and he is angry and he's take do you know what his punishment doesn't fall on you anymore because it fell on his son on your behalf and that means that when life is difficult you can away to jesus again because you are being child reared it is a safe place to go because jesus is the one who tells stories about wayward, wicked sons who run back to a father who has his arms open. Jesus is the one who, after one of his best friends, Peter, denies he ever knew him, cooks him breakfast on the beach and reinstates and restores him. That's what he does. Do you know what that means? That means that if the hard time that I'm going through even if it is of my own making. He is still going to use it as part of his rearing of me as his child. Because the punishment that should be on me for my sin went somewhere else. It went on Christ. And we celebrated that in communion today. So don't be tempted for one moment, even when the hardship you go through, you think, do you know what? This is my fault. Is my own silly fault. Can I turn to Jesus then? Has he turned away from me? Is he angry? Will there be punishment? No, because the punishment's been dealt with. And that means that even if the hardship I go through is my own silly fault, I can still turn to the one 
who is described as the high priest who sympathizes with my weakness. Isn't that wonderful? When my hardship is even of my own making, I still can hold tightly to the promise that says, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Why? Because because of anything in me? No, because that's what he has determined. Look away to Jesus and remember the word of encouragement. God loves us too much to leave us to our own devices. And therefore, sometimes he will bring hardship into our life because he is desperate to rear us as his children so we become more like the Lord Jesus. Okay, last bit of Greek. Here we go. So here's the third thing. This is what this writer says also. Endure. Endure. When you're going through the school of hard knocks, when life is hard, what should we do? We should endure. Okay, so here's the Greek word for endure. Hupomeno. And it means to remain under. To remain under. Now, that instruction goes against all of our inclinations when we are having a hard time. Because I'll tell you what I want to do when I'm having a hard time. I don't want to remain under it, thanks very much. I want to get out of it as quickly as I possibly can. In fact, if I can avoid it, I will. And if I can get out of it as quick as I can, I will. The last thing I want to do when life is hard is remain under it. But that's not what that word means. It means endure, it means to remain under. This is a tricky one, isn't it? And I know that sometimes there are things that you can't avoid. We've been praying for Ben today, sickness. You've got no choice about when that hits you. You can't avoid that one. You can't run away from that one. And some of you may be sitting under hardship at the moment. You think, well, even if I wanted to, I can't avoid this. I'm in the middle of it. And it's not to do with me. It's not my making. I didn't want this. So you say, you know, you don't want to run away. Well, I'd love to, but actually I can't do anything about it. It's nothing to do with me. But, I'm, but I'm under, I've got no choice about this. But actually, you know what? There, there are choices when we're under that. Here are some of the choices that I take sometimes. When I'm under stuff that's un, out of my control, I can seek to avoid it in other ways. Distraction. Yeah? Okay. So I'm just going to pretend this isn't happening to me, and I'm just going I'm I'm to watch a, 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 a wall-to-wall DVDs for hours so that I just fill my mind with other stuff and I just don't have to engage with it. I don't want to sit under this, so I'll just find ways to distract it, to distract myself. Or I can, what we might call self-medicate. You know, lots of people sadly do that. It's how quite often people will get into substance abuse. Not always the root, but sometimes it is alcoholism. Sometimes it's just because the pa- Do you know what? The pain of this is just so difficult. I can't, I, I, just, need to, I just need to numb it. But even if you don't go down that road, there are other ways that sometimes we find to numb it so that I don't have to engage with this. I want to numb the pain. I want to numb the uncomfortableness. I want to avoid it. I want to escape it. I want to distract myself from it so I don't have to engage in it at all, if I can possibly help help it. But actually, the advice of the writer of the Hebrews is remain under it. Remain under it. Why? Why remain under it? Well, probably the slightly more correct translation of that of that line that says endure hardship as discipline the more accurate translation is this it is for discipline that you have to endure 
In other words, if I want him to rear me as his child and to train me up as his child and to make me more like him, then actually I have to remain under hardship sometimes. I have to stay there. There's a writer who I really enjoy, will have mentioned a number of times before, called R.T. Kendall. He's an American preacher but spent uh, many years living in London and being the pastor of a big church up in central London called Westminster Chapel. And he writes prolifically, you know, two or three books a year he'll come out with. And uh, there's a phrase that he uses that I've always found very, very helpful. It's this little phrase, dignify the trial. Dignify the trial. In other words, when we are under it, the temptation is to do what the world does, which is to moan and to grumble and to become cynical. You know, we've, we all hear people in the world talking about difficult life experiences and there's bitterness and there's cynicism about it. But actually, do you know what? If we realize that hardship is there as part of God's plan to rear us as his children, then I'm going to view this in a different way. Which means that actually I am going to remain under it for as long as he intends me to for the purpose of him rearing me as his child and making me more like Jesus. I'm going to. Now, of course, there are some things we shouldn't remain under. If you're in abusive relationships, that's the sort of thing to talk to other people about. If you, and, and actually, that's, that's something that's really helpful to do. To determine, is this something that I should remain under? Or actually, is this something where actually God would want me to walk away from this? And I'm not quite sure. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go back to look away, look unto Jesus. How will I, how will I get Jesus' light on this? I'll read the word. I'll pray. I'll go to my brothers and sisters. Do you think this is happening to me? Do you think, what should I, what should I do? I've had conversations like that with Owen and Ben. You know, this is happening. Do you, think, do you think God's saying this? Yeah, do. Okay, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Yeah? Sometimes we need to discern, is this something I should remain under? But do you know what? Every one of us here, and probably you might even be thinking of something right now where you think, I don't have the choice about this, or actually I could just numb myself to it. I could run away, but I have a sense in my spirit that God is saying, remain under this for a bit because I'm doing something in you I'm child rearing you I'm loving you, making you more like my son remain under last thing no Greek words here so your Greek lesson's over for today there are many things in this passage we could pull out but the last thing I want to pull out is this one what do we do when hard things happen Well, the passage encourages us to hold on to the promise. What's the promise? The promise is this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Do you know what? That's really helpful. Because when I am going through difficulty, I don't want you to come up to me and the first thing you say to me is, count it all joy, brother. Do you know what? I may not find that very helpful. But if you empathize and sympathize with me like the writer to the Hebrews is here, I will find that helpful. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. He's empathizing then. He's saying, it's difficult, isn't it? It's hard. It must be so hard for you. But I don't want to stay there if I'm counseling and encouraging a brother. I don't want to stay there. I want to bring hope. I want to bring hope. 
And that's what the writer to the Hebrews says. He says, no, no discipline is, is pleasant at the time. It's painful. But it's one of those wonderful occasions in the Bible where that word is used. But there is a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. There is a hope of something so much better. If I will endure, if I will stay under this for the period of time that God wants me to, if I will, if I will stay under it for the sake of discipline, for the sake of his child-rearing of me, if I will do that, then there's a harvest of righteousness and peace that he promises for me. There's hope. Do you know what? It's so helpful when other people bring hope to us, isn't it? When we're in a difficult and difficult situation, you think this is going on forever. I don't know how. I don't know when this is going to end. Oh, do you know what? Oh, but there's going to be a harvest for you. Righteousness and peace. Gonna be, your life's going to be transformed. Do you know, Ben and I have had a number of those conversations. He says, oh, I wonder what life will be like for me when this is over. I think I'll be different, Phil. It's wonderful to hear him talk really like that. When hard things happen, it helps to look through the right lens. Okay? Because when we're in the middle of it, everything's a bit blurry. The tears make it a bit blurry sometimes. Can't really see the wood for the trees. Can't see clearly. And I need to look through the right lens. Sometimes I will need you to help me to look through the right lens. I will certainly need the word of God to help me see because that's where I get the light on the road. Because otherwise I'm just in darkness. But actually I know that he's come to bring me the light of life. So I need him. I need to turn to him. I need to read what he says. I need to read what his word says because his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I need to make sure that I don't give up meeting together with my brothers and sisters like some are in the habit of doing because they're going to bring me the light of Christ in the middle of this. I need to make sure that I do just carry on enduring, staying under it as long as he intends me to. And oh God, may there be people who speak hope to me when I'm going through this. So that I know that there's a harvest that's going to come. It's not purposeless. This suffering is not purposeless. This difficulty, this hardship is not without purpose. Sometimes I need help to look through the right lens. And you know what? This passage is one of the most helpful passages in the Bible. We are going through hardship to make sure that we just readjust our lens again. So that we are looking at our hardship in the light of what scripture says and in the light that Jesus brings as the light of the world. Let's pray together. Father, this uh, sounds just completely countercultural to us because we live in a world that, that wants to avoid at all costs suffering and difficulty. And Lord, sometimes we uh, confess that we are infected with the same because we walk in a world of darkness. But we thank you that there was a day for us when you brought light to us. And we thank you for the light that your word brings. And we thank you that we can look at our life circumstances through a different lens, with a heavenly perspective. And it brings us hope when we do. And I pray for all of us in this room whether we are currently going through hardship, whether we are recovering from recent hardship, or whether at some stage in the future we're going to encounter it. I pray you'll help us, Lord, (laughs) 
to engage with the light of life, we will look away from our circumstances just for moments every now and then and look to Jesus who brings light to us, that we will endure when we need to endure, that we will seek out help from our brothers and sisters, that we will avoid the temptation to go it alone because hardship is not an indication that you are withdrawing from us. It is entirely the opposite. It is an indication that you are actively in this moment involved in rearing us as your children. So we pray, help us, be with us, comfort us, strengthen us, and make us more like Jesus. And in his name we ask it. Amen. Cool. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Tea and coffee. Dedication next Sunday. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.